This morning's reading is taken from Luke chapter 4, and we'll be reading from verse 1 to 14. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Reed. Thanks, Richard. Just as I come up, we're just um, putting a blind down so that those on, on my right don't get completely blinded. Oh, is that why it's called a blind? Anyway, just thought about that. Let's pray before I say something else I shouldn't. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God, as we've just been singing about. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have given us your word so that we can uh, learn more of who you are. And I pray as we look at this passage now, as we continue our journey through the gospel according to Luke, that you would speak to us afresh in a passage which may be quite familiar to a number of us. Help us to see you as we look at it now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me add my welcome to that of Andy's. My name's Eleanor. I'm the associate vicar here, and I've been here um, almost eight months. No idea where that time's gone, but there we go. Um, So as Andy said, we're doing this sermon series as we look through uh, the gospel according to Luke. And last week, um, Andy helped us to think about that sort of great revealing, if you like, of, of Jesus as God's Son. Um, we see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit at um, his baptism. And then we have that wonderful uh, genealogy, which uh, was read beautifully last week, of all of those uh, names leading right down to us reminding us 
that Jesus is God's son, the son of God. What a great moment in Luke. So if you did not know what was coming next, I wonder what you might think might come. You know, if it was today, maybe you'd expect Jesus to now sit down and write autographs. Oh, he's the son of God, let's write some autographs. Or maybe he would update his social media status, family, God's son. I wonder. Or maybe he'd say, well, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and sit on a throne and see if people will feed me grapes. No, of course, he doesn't do any of those things. That's me thinking about what maybe I would do in that situation. Jesus, on the other hand, is far better than I am. And he does nothing to do with winning fans, does he? Or nothing to do with sort of having a great status and playing on that. And what he does is far more to do with the call that is placed on his life. Far much, much better that, isn't it? And so Jesus spends 40 days fasting in the wilderness and facing temptation. Put yourself in the mind of, of someone who's never heard this before. That is quite a challenging thing, isn't it? It's not what you would expect him to go and do. Yet it's what God calls him to do. We know that because if we look at our passage, we read that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, that he was full of the Holy Spirit as he goes and does this. And a reminder that um, um, Andy reminded us this last week that that theme of the Holy Spirit at work is really uh, prominent in the Gospel of Luke. It's also prominent in Acts, uh, which Luke wrote as well. Full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, Jesus goes into the wilderness. It's where he needs to be. He's led by the Spirit to be in that place. And of course, for each of us, wherever God calls us by, the, by his Spirit is where he wants us to be. Even if sometimes that can be uncomfortable, even sometimes if that is challenging. I know in this last couple of weeks, I've faced some real challenges, as well as some really good things as well. But I know that I am where God wants me to be. I am called by God to be here at this time. And so I know it's worth it, even if it can be really challenging. Jesus is led by the Spirit, and his challenge for the next 40 days is to face temptation. But just think about that. 40 days is a long time. If you've, you know, if you've ever faced temptation, I know I've faced temptation in, in all sorts of ways, 40 days is a long time to keep facing that. But of course, 40, the number 40, is a number that is familiar throughout Scripture. We already heard it uh, referenced in the, the psalm, in Psalm 95, that Andy read to us at the start of this service. But we find the number 40 all over the place. Of course, if we think back to the Old Testament, we know that Moses spent 40 days in the wilderness, not just once, but twice. We know that the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness. We know that Elijah spent 40 days without food and water on Mount Horeb. And there are many, many other cases. In fact, if you look it up, I think there's over 150 cases of that number um, in Scripture. And then, of course, as we go through um, Luke's Gospel and into Acts, we know that Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days after his resurrection. 
Now, there's people who've written quite a lot of stuff about uh, the number 40 and whether we can take the number to mean anything. But actually, the most important thing is that what we find here is that Jesus is identifying himself with humanity. He's identifying himself with the people of Israel who have gone before him. And we'll see otherwise, other ways that he does that um, in this passage as well. So what we see in this account is something, of, um, something about Jesus' identity. Remember, he's just been declared the Son of God at his baptism, and through his genealogy we see he is the Son of God. And it can't be a coincidence that if we look through um, the other synoptic gospels, so that's uh, Matthew and Mark, they both have Jesus' um, temptation straight after his baptism, although Mark doesn't really say much. He sort of says, and Jesus went off and, got, and was tempted. That's very Mark, though. If you read Mark, he's very succinct. But that acts, doesn't it, as a reminder of who Jesus is. If Jesus is declared as God's son and then goes and is tempted, there is a sense that those two things hang together. So that's the first thing that we can say today in this passage, that it is all about Jesus' identity as the Son of God. And if we look into the passage that we heard read, uh, we see twice the devil says, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, there's a sense there, isn't there, that the, the, the enemy is, is appealing to Jesus's humanity to prove his divinity. He's sort of getting at him, saying, if you're the Son of God, then prove it. We could see that the enemy here is, is attacking the very call on Jesus's life. He is attacking who Jesus is. I don't know whether you've ever felt that sort of sense of um, having to prove who you are, prove your identity. Um, one example I have is that when I was, I was once asked to lead a seminar on singleness with someone who was uh, more well-known than I am, that's all I'm going to say, um, at a leadership conference. And um, when I got into the, the venue and I looked at all the promos, her name was on the brochure and mine wasn't. And it got me. It really shouldn't have. Honestly, it really shouldn't have. But I sort of felt like shouting from the rooftops, hang on, what about me? You know, I am important in this as well. Oh, dear, honestly, should I? I really should learn. It was like my identity had been attacked in that. And we have that desire, don't we? That, I, that desire to sort of prove who we are, to be recognized for it. It can so easily go to our heads, can't it? at the same conference a year or two before that. Um, for some reason, I ended up helping uh, host uh, one of the sessions from the front, and um, someone decided that at that moment, as after I'd just led uh, the prayer into the person who was speaking, the speaker said, before we go any further, Eleanor, will you stand up? And she got me to stand up in front of the whole conference, and she gave me a word, and um, she got the whole conference to pray for me. And afterwards, people were coming up and saying, yes, that word was, was spot on and all of these sort of things. But I will never forget what my colleague who was sat with me at the time did. He leant to me and he said, don't let that go to your head. I'm so glad he said that because I know what I'm like. I know that that sort of thing can 
go to my head. I was so glad he warned me. But it's true, isn't it? We can find ourselves wanting to prove our identity, to prove who we are. And that's what Jesus was facing here. The enemy says, if you are the Son of God, then prove it. You don't need your heavenly Father to turn that stone into bread. You, you can throw yourself off this cliff and be saved by angels because, well, you're the Son of God, aren't you? The devil was appealing to Jesus' humanity to prove his divinity. But Jesus was having none of it. And what we see here in Jesus is this incredible humility in the way he responds. And those responses can each uh, teach us so much about how we face temptation as well as we follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. So the first thing we see in this passage is something about his identity. Secondly, we see something about temptation. Jesus here gives us a beautiful model on how to resist temptation. In each one, as the devil tempts Jesus, he appeals to different aspects of Jesus' humanity. So firstly, we see the, the devil goes for Jesus' hunger. You know, 40 days is a long time to go without food. I love the sort of irony in that passage. Jesus fasted for 40 days and he ended up, ended up being hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry after missing a meal, let alone 40 days. But of course, when we think about that for ourselves, it's not just about bread, is it? Not just about uh, food. But hunger might not be food-related. Those things that we uh, think we can't go without. Food, alcohol, sex, lots of money, too much work. All of those things and many more. The things that we feel like we can't live without. Then, of course, in that second temptation, there's this desire for power and authority. And let's face it, we can see the mess around us, can't we, um, of those things going on at the moment. I mean, just look at some of the things that are happening in our world at this time. Would a war in Ukraine be happening, for example, if that hunger for power wasn't there? And there's probably other places we could think of in the same way. There's something about idolatry in all of this as well, isn't there? In fact, in all of this, in all of these temptations, there's a sense of idolatry, worshipping something other than God. The enemy tempts Jesus and says, all you need to do is worship me. I wonder, what is it that we might be tempted with to worship other than God? Who, what might we be tempted to worship? Then Jesus is tempted to prove who he is. Now, we've already thought about that a bit, and I think many of us have that, don't we? Those times when we feel ignored, those times we don't understand, where really what we want to answer is, don't you know who I am? Well, maybe that's just me, I don't know. Maybe this is a confessional at this moment. <laughs> but there's a temptation, isn't there, to argue back. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't argue back. He doesn't say, well, hang on a minute. You know, did you not see my baptism? Did you not, you know, see that list of people I'm related to? He doesn't do that. In fact, he doesn't argue back at any point. Look how Jesus answers every time. 
Um, we've just gone past it, but if you just go back to Luke 4.4, Jesus answers that first temptation with these words. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And then after the second temptation, he says this. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then finally, he says, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Every time Jesus is tempted, he answers with scripture. And of course, that is a reminder, isn't it? A real reminder that it is good to know God's word deeply. Surely the enemy doesn't like it when we answer with the word of God. The word of God is powerful. It is a sharp sword. Of course, we need to hold on to the fact that the enemy knows scripture because the devil quotes it here as well. We'll think about that in a moment. I love this phrase I read this week. Get God's word in your heart before you are even tempted so that you have it when you need it. It's good, isn't it? Get God's word in your heart before you are even tempted so that you have it when you need it. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We need to know God's word deeply. That's why it's really good. We're going through the whole of Luke's gospel. That's why we want to give you a copy of it because it's something about knowing it deeply that helps us. But as I said, the, the devil knows scripture. He quotes it back at Jesus. But we also know that in this passage, we're reminded that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. And so actually what we also need to hold on to is the strength of God's Spirit at work in us to help us resist temptation. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 say this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. We need God's Spirit at work in us to help us in these times. We need word and spirit in this. So Jesus gives us great tools here to resist temptation, knowing God's word, being full of his spirit. But I just want to draw you to one more thing in this. I know that you've ever noticed this, where each of those quotes that Jesus brings are from. Each of the answers that Jesus gives here are from Deuteronomy. Every single one of them is in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, in, in essence, is like the book of the law of life. It's the laws for humans to live by, the laws to live by, his people to live by. And what we find here is that Jesus is completely identifying himself with humanity in the responses each time. He's saying, you, you, you say I should do this, but in Scripture, in Deuteronomy, well, it tells humans to do this. I love that reminder that Jesus identifies with his people by quoting words that God has given them to live by. In that, he's also, isn't he, showing us the importance of our own private lives, not just what it looks like on the outside, but actually how we live is really important. 
I love that reminder. And all of this is also a reminder, isn't it, that Jesus shows that we can resist temptation because he did. Hebrews 2.18 says this, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. We're not alone. We're not on our own. We have Jesus. That is a stunning reminder that Jesus was fully human, that he knows what it is to be tempted, and that he is there with us. But remember that being tempted isn't the sin. It's falling to temptation, which is. But I encourage you this morning, be encouraged. Hold on to the fact that Jesus gets it. He gets it. Hebrews 4, 4, 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet he did not sin. Hold on to the fact that because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. So if you have fallen to temptation, it's not the end of the world. There is hope, there is forgiveness available through Jesus. So what we see in these verses from Luke is something about the identity of Jesus and about what it means to resist temptation. But I want to remind us again that Jesus does not give in to temptation here. In fact, he wins the victory. What we see here is Jesus winning the victory over the enemy because he does not give in to temptation. Right at the end of our passage, we read these words. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. I love that phrase. Um, it's like he goes, well, we'll try again later. Uh, first blood to you, Jesus, I'll be back. It's that sort of sense. Sorry, there was an Arnie impression there, wasn't there? Sorry about that. I'll be back, he's saying. I'll get, I'll get you another time, or so he thinks. <laughs> and what we have here in this passage is, is an echo of Genesis 3. We have an echo of what happens with Adam and Eve. In Genesis, we see um, Adam and Eve giving in to temptation, like here, the, the devil questions, um, he, and he questions Adam and Eve's understanding of what God has said to them, so much so that they fall to temptation, and sin enters the world. So if Jesus is identifying himself as fully human, he's also identifying himself with Adam. But it's different. He is the new Adam. Have a look at Romans 5 if you want to find out more about that. Because if we look in Genesis, Adam gave in to the tempter. But Jesus doesn't. He wins the victory. So what we see here is the beginning of a new start. A new start made possible by the Son of God. This is the initial victory. Jesus wins he wins the initial battle, but of course he will go on to win the ultimate battle on the cross. Brothers and sisters, that is good news. If I was in a sort of Pentecostal church, I'd go, can I get an amen? I might do it. Can I get an amen? Thank you very much. That's good. Well done. Um, <laughs> it is good news, isn't it? It's good news. Jesus has won the victory. 
I love this verse from 1 Corinthians 15. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. If you can learn one verse today, that's the one to learn in my book. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. When we are in Christ, when we put our faith and our trust in him, we can know life, not death. Jesus has won that victory. It might be an initial victory in this passage, but we know the next part of the story. We know that Jesus will go on to the cross to die and to rise again, defeating sin, defeating death. As we'll go through um, the Gospel of Luke, we'll see all sorts of miracles in Luke, won't we? We'll see feeding thousands of people. We'll see him healing people. We'll see all sorts. But in this first act after Jesus' baptism, Jesus performs a life-changing miracle, not just for a few thousand people, not just for an, an individual, but for every single person who comes to him. He shows that he is the son of God. He shows that he's fully human, yet unlike Adam, he doesn't give in to temptation. And as such, he paves the way for his ultimate victory on the cross. And I want to encourage you today, hold on to that victory. Hold on to that good news. Maybe say an amen every day this week to that incredible good news. So what might it look like this week to live in the light of these words from the Gospel of Luke? Maybe for you it looks like getting into his word, to know his word better so that you may be equipped when you are tempted. Maybe it's living in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that he is with you and he can help you. Maybe it's holding on to that victory that Jesus has won, that he identifies with you, that he understands what it's like. He's been there. I wonder which of those it is for you this morning. Maybe it's a mixture of all of them. But I want to encourage you this week to hold on to that wonderful fact that Jesus has won the victory. Let's pray. We've got a, a little bit of uh, time this morning. And um, as we were praying before the service, I just had a sense that actually um, it's really important for all of us to acknowledge that we are tempted. All of us, every single one of us face that at some time. And we will each come this morning with our own understanding of what that might be. So I want to encourage you to stand if you're able um, this morning. And there'll be an opportunity um, just as we're praying, you might just feel that God is calling you to, to come forward. Um, I'm not going to say if you're tempted with this, that or the other, um, because that will stop any of us coming forward. Um, but I want to encourage you that if, if there's something, even if it's about acknowledging that you need a, a fresh reminder that God is with you by his spirit, or if it's that you, um, you need to be reminded of that victory this morning, I do encourage you to come forward, and we'd be really happy to pray a prayer of blessing. But let's pray.
Heavenly Father, I pray for each one of us this morning. Lord, you know each of us by heart, and you know those ways that we might be tempted. Yet I pray for each one of us to hold on to that reminder that you know what it's like, that you have gone before us, that you have won the victory. And I pray for each one of us that we may know deep in our hearts that wonderful truth. Help us to get to know you better each day. Help us to know your word more and more each day. And I pray for each one of us this morning that we would be really aware that your spirit is at work in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, that you are alive in us. When we were praying before the service, I, uh, we had a, a picture of uh, someone um, who it looked like they had um, chains around their wrists, but the chains became material. And a reminder in that that with Jesus, we can be free. And it's not a difficult thing. Sometimes chains feel very hard and impenetrable. But with Jesus, anything is possible, and he can bring freedom. If that's you this morning, I encourage you to come forward for prayer as we sing our final song. And there'll be opportunities to pray afterwards as well. We're going to sing our final song now, which is a beautiful hymn. And in the hymn, we have the words, When Satan tempts me to despair, and tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin.